Hello, welcome to the Claim the Stage podcast, a podcast for women who want to build public speaking skills and also learn so much about themselves because we all know public speaking is like getting a master's degree in your own psyche. That's what I always say. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also a professional speaker and author and the CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women, which we talked all about in episodes 50 and 51. If you haven't listened to those episodes yet, I highly recommend going back and listening to some speeches from the women of the Speaker Sisterhood and hearing more about their public speaking journey and what they're learning about themselves as a result of the work. It is very cool, very insightful, and I could not be more proud to be part of this group. On today's episode, we are talking about a really important subject that often doesn't get covered because it's not central to public speaking. It's mostly focused on women who are interested in becoming professional speakers and want to leverage their past experience in order to get considered for more gigs. So if you have a hard time describing yourself, owning your past experiences, selling yourself because of the work you've done, you're going to love today's episode. So if you, if you tend to blush or laugh or apologize when you go, oh yeah, I have an MBA or yeah, I used to own a company. Oh yeah, I was an executive. Uh, you're going to really enjoy hearing from my guest, Karen Catlin, who had the same experience and how she has used her background to really jumpstart her consulting and speaking business. So without further ado, my interview with Karen Catlin. After spending 25 years building software products, Karen Catlin is now an advocate for women in the tech industry. She's a leadership coach, a TEDx speaker, and co-author of Present, a Techie's Guide to Public Speaking. Karen is also an advisor to the Women's Club of Silicon Valley, West, which is women entering and staying in technology, Women Serve on Boards, and Brown University's Computer Science Diversity Initiative. Formerly, Karen was a Vice President of Engineering at Adobe Systems. Karen, welcome to the show. Oh, Angela, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to talk with you about your professional path and, and what you're doing with all of the experiences you have today and how we can share with our guests or, or with our listeners how to really leverage your, your past experience to help grow your speaking business. So let's start by talking about your background and how you got into speaking. Oh, I remember how I got into speaking so well. I actually remember the exact day when I decided, okay, it's time to embrace public speaking. Here we go. <laughs> um, and on that that day, that single day, I was getting advice from a mentor and we were on a walk, um, kind of a walk and talk, and I was getting her advice about starting a new business. At that point, I had left behind that 25-year career that you mentioned where I had been building software products, and I was shifting my professional focus to be an advocate for women who are in the tech industry building products. Um, and I was doing that because I became very passionate about helping women, about mentoring women, advising women, and wanting to see women stay in tech if that's where they wanted to be. So I had decided to switch my professional focus. I was um, starting a new business to be an advocate for women who are working in tech and getting advice from this mentor on this walk. And at one point, as we were walking and talking, the mentor asked me a question. She said, hey, Karen, do you do much public speaking? And uh -oh. I have to tell you, <laughs> I know, uh-oh is right. That's exactly... <laughs> 
the the reaction I had and that soundtrack in my head started playing and saying things like, no, Karen, you don't do much public speaking. No, Karen, you're not good at public speaking. No, Karen, you don't like public speaking. No, 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 no. Right? We all have at times that, that imposter syndrome, that inner critic who just starts talking to us. And mine was screaming at me at that point. Um, but I realized that the reason she was asking me that question, do you do much public speaking, is because it really could be the key to unlocking this business, to sharing my experience of being a woman in tech, to hopefully inspiring more women, and frankly, to attract the attention of potential clients who would be interested in my coaching. So instead of saying that soundtrack out loud, that no, 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 um, I simply said, you know... I need to do more of it. (laughs) Um, And that was um, over four years ago, maybe five years ago now. Um, And at that point, I set a goal for myself to start speaking in public once a month um, because I kind of just needed that exposure therapy, almost shock therapy to get over my fear and to practice it. So, and pretty much since then, I'm, I'm proud to say I've spoken in public one, you know, most months it's been once a month. I think my busiest was seven or eight times now. Um, and as you mentioned in the nice bio that you shared, I've given a TEDx talk to as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and I have to tell you, I've come to love public speaking. And I'm surprised to hear myself saying that, but I really have. So that's the long answer to that question, but hopefully it sets a lot of context for your listeners about my background and what I'm doing today. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say we're both converts, uh, public speaking. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to just go back to that moment in time when, when your, your friend asked you that question about public speaking and the thoughts that were going through your mind and how different they were from what actually came out of your mouth. Cause I talk with a lot of women who have those same thoughts about, Oh, I'm not someone who does that. That's not, that's not me. What made you say something different instead of, Oh no, no. And just completely dismiss it. Well, I really wanted to build a successful business, you know, this new business I was embarking on. I, and I really didn't know how to go about doing that. And I valued her advice that this could really be the the, the approach to take the key to really being successful. Um, and I think I can look back and say it definitely was that key that I needed hmm. to unlock it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So what do you speak about today? Yeah. So Um, There are a few topics that I speak on. One, and this is kind of meta, but I speak about public speaking. So I I do um, speak about the book that I co-authored quite frequently. Um, In fact, this week I'm giving two talks on it at different tech companies here in Silicon Valley. And um, I love doing that to inspire other people to start doing more public speaking and to share some strategies for getting started or getting over stage fright um, and handling some of the nuts and bolts behind being a successful speaker, sharing stories, using slides to your advantage, all sorts of things like that. So I do speak about public speaking. Um, I also speak about being a woman in the tech industry and my personal experiences of deciding to enter tech and what it was like to grow my career and certainly the the problems I've had over the years or the challenges I faced or some of the things I wish I had done differently as a kind of inspirational talk. Um, Yeah, and I also um, speak on a lot of panels uh, as well, which um, is typically about being a woman in leadership or being a woman in tech. Yeah. And are you often with other women on those panels or is it mixed or? 
it's oh, it's often women, which um, is great because often I get invited because I'm seen as a woman, uh, advocate for women in tech. I get invited to women in tech events, but that's not exclusive. I've also spoken on panels where, in general, it's talking about diversity and inclusion in the tech industry, and have representatives um, that are of all genders and different backgrounds there. Yeah. So what made you want to choose this focus? Like, why you as an advocate? Was there something that happened to you or something that really gets you fired up about this topic that makes you feel like you really want to spend a lot of time focusing on advocating for women in tech? Yes, I'd say there are two reasons. And the first is that, um, and this is, people who are good at math are going to be able to tell how old I am now, but um, I, I got my computer science degree back in 1985, which seems like a long time ago, but also just like yesterday. But anyway, I got my computer science degree in 1985. And what may be surprising is 1985 was a very significant year for women studying computer science. Um, across the United States, 37% of the computer science degrees went to women that year. Um, and that number actually was the peak. That year was the peak for women studying computer science. And it's dropped off since then um, to a low of about 17% just a couple of years ago. So I remember a time when there were a lot more women in this field and there wasn't quite the programmer culture that maybe um, it has been popularized by the press now and, and television shows and media and so forth. I remember a time when it was more balanced and that when there were a lot more women working in the field. So I want to do something to help the, you know, change that ratio and get back to how it was in 1985. So I wanted to play a part in that. Um, and that's a, that's the big reason. Um, the second reason is I have a daughter who is a computer science major in college right now, and she's going to be entering this field um, in a year. And um, I started doing this four or five years ago. I'm thinking, my goodness, I wonder if there's anything I can do to help make sure she has a welcoming, inclusive environment to work in when she enters tech. So that's the second reason I do this is it's very personal as well. Yeah, I love it. And I think it's so important to be thinking about that next generation and how we can be role models and we can share our experiences to help guide them. So kudos to you. Yeah. Thank so, you. <laughs> so you spent 25 years building software products within various leadership roles in tech. And I'm wondering how you went from a corporate role, really working within an organization, to successfully transitioning into your own business where you do consulting, coaching, speaking, writing, and taking that experience with you. How have you used these experiences to build your reputation as a speaker? Yes. Um, and it, it hasn't been easy and I'm still learning. So I must admit it's, it's a, it's a journey. Um, the first thing though, Angela, I want to answer or, or focus on is the fact that you and I both very comfortably now can say about me that I spent 25 years building software products. Um, I did just focus on that for a second because that took me a long time to figure out that it was okay for me to claim that and say it. Um, when I first started my consulting business, I kind of danced around my background. You know, I could tell, you know, people, oh, this is where I used to work and this, these are the leadership roles I had. But I never felt like I could say I built those products that my company made because I wasn't the engineer for the most of my career actually writing code. I did that earlier in my career. But then as I moved into leadership roles, I played, you know, different 
uh, I had different responsibilities, not actually coding, um, not defining all the features that might go into a product and so forth. And so I felt uncomfortable saying, hey, I've, I've built products. Um, but stepping back, I have learned it's okay for me to say, hey, I did spend 25 years building products um, because the roles I played were absolutely essential to delivering those products. Um, and I have to tell you, I, I learned how to do this, um, sort of own that background and say it very boldly um, by listening to some podcasts of entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley um, who these, uh, these podcasts would often feature young men who had maybe founded a company and maybe sold it or maybe got acquired or maybe they weren't successful. It didn't really matter. But th these men would talk about themselves in terms of, well, I've spent five years here in Silicon Valley building products. And what I've learned is, you know, whatever. And then they would go on to share it. And I was both impressed by their bravado, but also a little frustrated. It's like, wait a second, you, you don't have any experience at all. You've only you know, been working for a couple of years here or you, you know, whatever. And so I just decided that if these brash young men could be owning their background in such a bold way, like, why can't I be doing that too? So now I proudly say, hey, I've been building, pro I, I, I was building products. I built them for 25 years and now I've moved on to the second position, the second role, the second focus of my career. Yeah, so it took a while to get there. Does that answer your question? I kind of um, feel like I veered off a little bit. But. No, that absolutely does. And I was wondering if when you started saying that you you spent 25 years doing this work, did you say it while blushing or laughing or <laughs> apologizing? Or did you just like act like Wonder Woman and put it out there? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I think probably somewhere in the middle in terms of I started sharing it with a friend first and getting feedback. It's like, well, if I say this, does that, first of all, does it make me sound old? Does it make me sound like, what does it make me sound? And she was like, I really like it. Um, and that actually gave me confidence to the next time to say it more like a Wonder Woman, what I might say. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So how did things change when you started using your professional experience to your advantage? Um, it's hard to say because I feel like it wasn't just overnight and I can't remember the exact day I started talking about myself that way. But the thing that I definitely am thankful for is that I've had that first career and that I can leverage it in terms of my credibility and building my brand. Um, you know, there are a lot of leadership coaches out there. Um, I am one of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of leadership coaches. And I think that my my professional background, that first career really helps me distinguish myself. I am a woman. I um, had significant leadership roles um, as a vice president at two publicly traded software companies. Um, and now I'm doing leadership coaching. So I have a different experience than someone else who is doing leadership coaching and a different experience than that, what they'll bring to the table. So I proudly leverage it now. Um, and I think it is a differentiator that allows me to attract clients and frankly, to provide them with great coaching as a result. Um, so yeah. Um, and then in terms of sort of owning my background with public speaking, um, you definitely have to connect with your audience and build credibility with them very quickly in order for them to be wanting to sit there and listen to you and so forth. And so um, being able to start any talk I give with a story about my background and weave in my back my experience that 25 years of building software products, um, my experience studying computer science, my experience um, on whatever topic it is, and then go into sharing a story 
of my background to connect with the audience. It's it's critical to have that background to tap into. Mm-hmm. And are you always telling the same story or do you sort of tailor it for the audience? Oh, I repeat a lot of stories. Oh my <laughs> gosh, yes. <laughs> um, and I repeat stories because, you know, you get a good one and you refine it yeah. when you first start stare, uh, sharing that, whether it's one-on-one or on stage. You refine it, you refine it, you refine it, you get feedback, you see what, what works, what maybe doesn't quite work, doesn't flow well, doesn't let you connect with the audience. So you refine it. And then when you've got it, you definitely reuse it. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that that said, though, if it's a new topic, I am looking for new stories. Um, maybe not as I summarize my background, but I, I need new stories every time to connect with a different audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for women who are trying to build up a bio, you know, a professional bio for their website, for speaking gigs, how would you say they could go about doing that without coming off as salesy or too self-promotional? Because I hear that all the time from women who are thinking about using their MBA status next to their name or that they won an award or that they are promoted quickly in a company. They always feel like, well, is it okay to say that? Do you have any advice for them to feel comfortable doing it? Yeah. So one piece of advice is think back about what I just said about like learn from the guys. Um, And I really felt that that was critical to hear for me to hear those younger men talking about their experience in a way that allowed them to just say it, own it and move on to whatever point they were going to make. And I think that um, for women out there is you don't have to think of the boldest man you know um, and how they would talk about themselves. But think about someone you respect, probably a man because they're going to be, chances are a little bit bolder in how they describe themselves. But think about a man you respect and how they describe their background and see if you can't channel him as you start talking about yourself or writing about yourself on your website. Um, And I certainly, I do this today, but I did it a lot more when I was starting to build my website. I looked at other people's websites to figure out how they were positioning themselves. And it was super helpful um, to look at um, men or women that I respected and that seemed like they had become well-known in their industry, their field, um, their region, whatever they were doing. Those people that were well-known, I started looking at their websites and and looking at how they described themselves. I'll give you an example of that. Um, When I was trying to figure out how to position some of my background, I remember looking at this, um, the website for Whitney Johnson. And she is a published author and um, leadership expert, and she um, is a frequent public speaker. I looked at her website, and specifically, I remember looking at her Twitter handle, which Twitter, you know, you have to have 140 characters only to describe your background and make yourself stand up out. And she just wrote something like, you know, writer, TEDx speaker and something else. And I'm like, oh, I'm a writer. I'm a TEDx speaker. Why don't I just use those simple terms to talk about myself, to, to give myself credit? So my point is, look at people you respect and think about how they are doing it and how you might be able to learn from what they've already done and try it out. Yeah. Are there specific elements you'd recommend adding to a bio? I know you mentioned TEDx and writing. Are there other things like awards or degrees or Mm-hmm. So yes, if you think it's going to help you stand out. Um, and so I think you have to be discriminating about your audience, what you're trying to do, the brand you're trying to cultivate. For me, because I'm a woman and most um, there's this bias that assumes women are not 
engineers, not technical, not in STEM areas. I make sure that when I am introducing myself and I want to have the cred that it's going to allow me to connect with people in the audience who are computer scientists, are technical, are STEM um, graduates or something. I will say I, I have a computer science degree from Brown University, right? I just say it because I need to have that cred. Um, in another environment, it might not be as important to emphasize that, right? So I think you have to know your audience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, do you have any stories to share about how using your past experiences has helped you to launch or build your speaking and consulting business? Using my past experiences, uh, it's almost like I do that every day. <laughs> like, so it's, um, it's such a significant part of what I do. And whether that is coaching someone and talking through a problem they're facing or some advice they're looking for and thinking back on my experience to be like, when did I go through a similar situation to that, um, that I can provide a story, um, share some experience, share a perspective of this is how I handled it, right? So I do that all the time when I'm doing my coaching. Um, as I'm preparing talks, I definitely, I, I force myself to start every talk I give with a story. I don't launch into my agenda. I don't move from my title slide. I leave it up on the screen and I just start with a story. And those stories, the best ones are ones that maybe are certainly relevant, but maybe are a little humble talking about um, the journey I've been on to learn different things or the mistakes I've made. You know, so I'm, I'm constantly reaching back into my memory banks to try to think about, oh yeah, when did I make that make a mistake along those lines that, I, that would be relevant for this topic? Um, and boy, it's hard you know, I think humans, uh, just by nature, we try to forget the bad and focus on the good things we've done. And so it is often hard for me to go back and think about my mistakes. But those are usually the gems that turn into a great talk. So I'm constantly doing that. Um, the The other thing I'll mention too, Angela, is that um, my I leverage my network a lot to get more public um, opportunities to give talks and to do public speaking. And I fortunately being in have having been in tech for 25 years, I have a pretty broad network across Silicon Valley. So, you know, when I first launched my book and wanted to do a lot of speaking about the book, my co-author and I, we both like we just looked through our networks um, and tried to reach out individually to people to say, hey, we have a book, we have a talk about this, we'd love to come in and talk to your company. Could um, who, do, who should we talk to next about making that happen? Um, so huge, huge importance on leveraging my network to find those opportunities to speak. So do you, so I want to think about a real world example. Let's say you connect with someone in your network and that that person works at a tech company and says, we'd love to have you come in and talk about public speaking to our entry level, you know, women who are working in the engineering department. Would you then share a story about what you've learned and, some statistics because I'm, I'm thinking about that pitching process and how you not only establish credibility with them but also share some tidbits about what you might be able to teach and the impact you're going to make do you have any insight on that process mm-hmm. um so 
Yes, and you have to know your audience when you're pitching anything. Um, what we have done with our book is specifically said that we are two female engineers and we'd like to come and talk to your company about public speaking, the importance of public speaking, how it can help a career. And then we're going to share some of our t favorite tips and stories from the book, including how to get over stage fright, how to extract your expertise to form a talk, how to tell stories to engage the audience, how to um, even handle the Q&A process at the end. Um, and then I think our pitch also says something along the lines of, um, and plus we've got some, excuse me, plus we have a few embarrassing stories that are just too good to keep to ourselves, right? <laughs> so, um, so we um, don't give it all away, I guess, in the pitch, but we certainly outline what we're going to be covering um, make it seem very actionable and make it seem maybe a little bit humble, like a little serving of humble pie we'll be giving as well as we share some of our experience. Mm -hmm. Have yeah. you ever had your professional experience backfire? Like the way that you presented yourself, maybe they said, oh, we're looking for someone who is a little younger or someone who has experience in just this one area. Um, I... I definitely know that there have been times we've been heard heard the feedback of, oh, we already work with a speaking coach company. Mm. We've already offer, you know, sp uh, speaking skill training. Um, so I definitely have gotten that either we're too late to the market or it looks like someone's more experienced than you. So I've, I've definitely felt that. Um, in terms of the latter, like, do I have too much experience? Um, I I don't think I can point to an example of that, but perhaps that has happened and I just haven't heard about it too. Um, um, you know, cause I, um, I'm older, but I'll tell you too, it helps that my co-author is um, 20 years younger than me. And so I think the two of us have um, pretty good diversity as we're describing our backgrounds and we, I have more corporate experience. She has more startup experience. We, we balance it out pretty well so that as we are talking and sharing our experience, it's going to reach a large swath of the audience that's out there, whether they are further along in their careers or earlier. Um, so it helps to have a co-speaker a, a co who can balance you out, definitely. Yeah, that's great advice. You can kind of open yourself up to more audiences. Yes. Is there anything else we should know about how to leverage your past experiences to build your speaking business? I don't, I can't think of anything else to say. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's jump into the lightning round. Um, we have five quick questions, or I guess it'll be four today. Number one, what's the number one piece of advice you have for women who want to be well-known speakers? The number one piece of advice is, first of all, you have to just do it. You have to get out there and do it a lot because the more you do it, the more you are going to get invited to do it more. Um, and in the beginning, you should look for opportunities to do it for free as you're building up your reputation, building out your rep your repertoire of what you can talk about and so forth. Um, and hopefully that notion of giving for free, giving yourself will pay back in the long run. Mm -hmm. Number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? Yeah, it actually, it builds on what I just said is be helpful. Um, this served me so well in my first career and it's serving me well now. Um, you have to be helpful to others. 
even though you want to ask them something. Um, you have to be helpful in terms of maybe you're going to speak for free about something and hope that later on you could ask for something or maybe even get some client work because someone saw you speak at that free event. Um, but even earlier in my career, I would often be willing to help other people with um, areas of their business that I thought I could help out with without expecting anything in return. And what that does is allow you to grow your career in ways you can't even expect. So be helpful. Be helpful to others. Yeah, awesome. Number three, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Yeah. It probably, oh my gosh, it'd probably be, be around confidence. So just own yourself more. Own, own what you're doing. Own your cred. Be, um, show up with a lot more confidence than maybe you did. Hmm. You, so. can, you can do it, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of like what we've been talking about the whole time. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and number four, what advice do you have for your 75-year-old self? <laughs> oh, um, stay active. Keep walking. Keep playing tennis. Keep moving. Uh, stay active. Yeah. Um, I hope that I will still be around when I'm 75, and I hope that I'm still having a very active life. So keep moving, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> and lastly, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? Claim the stage. Um so when I, this is, okay, I'll share an embarrassing story. I used to have to do, give talks when I was an executive, you know, run my all hands meetings, give updates on projects up, up the chain and so forth. And at one point I was fortunate enough to take a speaking class that my company offered and it was like a two day class and they did video recording and all of that stuff to help you improve your public speaking. And I'm a sloucher. And when I saw myself in front of the podium, basically giving this talk that was the one that was being recorded and analyzed, I was sort of drawn into myself and my shoulders were pulled together and I was making myself really small, mm -hmm. as small as I could on that stage, right, to protect myself. And I think that um, now I have learned to do power posing, to feel powerful and confident, to um, really embrace being out there and open myself up so that I am both positive and confident as I'm delivering my message on the stage, but also I am willing to be welcoming of feedback. I'm open. I want to, I want to get the feedback to, from other people as I'm talking, whether that is because um, people are going to be asking good questions or giving me positive reinforcements as they're shaking their heads as I'm making points, laughing at my somewhat lame jokes or whatever it might be. So claiming the stage to me is like, get out there and be confident, but be vulnerable at the same time. Yeah. Have you watched much video of yourself speaking since then? Uh, yes. And I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. You know, I recently put together with an amazing consultant, I put together a speaker reel and a speaker reel, as you probably know, you know, about five minutes, just a short advertisement of my speaking, um, style, my topics, and so forth. And preparing for that and pulling together all the assets that I wanted this consultant to use as she stitched together my speaker reel. Oh my gosh, it was so painful. It was so painful to go back and like, I made a mistake there and I made a mistake there and I guess she could use this. Well, but here's the thing. When I saw what she put together, I was like, oh my gosh, that isn't me, is it? Like, I was so impressed by this person who had this speaker reel, um, but it was me. It's just that I think we uh, we focus on the mistakes we made and we critique ourselves like no one else. Um, and she just stitched together, yeah, this beautiful speaker reel for me um, that I'm now very proud of. So I've watched myself a lot 
Um, I don't feel comfortable doing it, but boy, I think I, I, I'm feeling pretty happy with what I've been able to do and proud of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Like watching a video of yourself, give a speech, gives us giving a speech offers two things. It offers a place for you to learn more about what you could be doing differently, but also shows you how far you've come. Yes. And, and that's really amazing to be able to see, wow, I look comfortable. Oh, wow. I'm actually using my hands correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making yes. eye contact. I don't look scared. Yeah, that's really exciting. So where can people find this speaker reel and more information about your book and all your speaking? Thank you. Yes. The best place is to go to my website, which is karencatlin.com and follow me on Twitter at K-E, Catlin. Um, those are the best places to find me. Um, and upcoming, if by any chance any of your audience is going to be at the Grace Hopper Celebration for Women in Computing, which is happening in early October 2017 in Orlando, Florida, um, please have them. Yeah, I, I would encourage anyone who's out there listening who's going to come to, I'm giving two workshops on negotiation skills. And so if you came up and said you heard me on this podcast, I would love to meet you. Oh, awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I'll put that in the in the notes, too. Great. Thank you. Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It was really nice to chat with you. And likewise, Angela, and thank you for the work that you're doing to inspire more women to claim the stage and, and yeah, be, be incredible public speakers. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's interview and took away some of her helpful tips. I think Karen had so much to offer in terms of thinking differently about who we are, where we've been, and where we are going. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It takes about two minutes to rate it and review it, and it really helps more people to find the show. And if you're looking for more public speaking information, you can sign up for my newsletter at AngelaLucier.us. I send out public speaking tips and other information every week. And, you know, you guys, if you've listened before, you know what I'm going to say. Say it along with me. As always, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.